welcome to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. Hey guys, welcome to the Full Circle Music Show. This is Chris Murphy sitting beside Seth Mosley. Hello, sir. Hey, man. We thought since we're kicking off this podcast that we wanted to speak to the man himself. Multiple Dove award-winning songwriter and producer, as well as Grammy award-winning songwriter and producer. Seth Mosley's got Full Circle Music right here in Franklin, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. So without further ado, let's get right into it. The interview with Seth Mosley of Full Circle Music. I am excited that this is our inaugural recording. Yeah. And I thought maybe what we could do for our audience is to give them a little taste as to why is the Full Circle Music Show a show? Why is it a podcast? What uh, was your idea when you uh, decided to start this and what you hope the audience can get out of it? Yeah. um, I think the big thing for us was just to kind of uh, get around other industry professionals and find out kind of how they're navigating today's ever-changing music industry because we know how crazy it is on our end of, of doing what we do at Full Circle Music. Um, but we, I, I, I do believe that there's uh, strength in numbers. And, um, Absolutely. You know, as a music industry united going forward to make sure we're kind of all rowing in the same direction, so to speak. Yeah, it is quite a complex uh, group of questions and thoughts and processes, and it's ever-changing all the time. Yeah. Regardless of uh, what industry or genre that you produce or you write for or uh, that you are a fan of, yeah. uh, that it's constantly changing out there from a business perspective. What are some of the uh, changes that you've seen in the years that you've been uh, producing and songwriting, as well as being an artist? Sure. Well, yeah, I, I started out uh, as an artist. That was my kind of uh, entry into the music business. I toured for about three years, pretty full time. We were doing anywhere from 100 to 150 shows a year. And um, since then, I, I kind of got burned out on it really quick and figured out that the part of the process I really enjoy is what we're doing now, which is the creative side where we're writing and producing and uh, tracking the stuff in the studio. So um, that's kind of what I had transitioned into. But since then, there's definitely been a lot of changes. Uh, I moved to Nashville probably officially six and a half ish years ago and so even 2009 2008 something like yeah that. about 2008 2009 okay. exactly so right as the market was kind of tanking and everything <laughs> so i i came in at a very interesting time and um we hear a lot of doom and gloom you know surrounding the music industry with sales and streaming and spotify pandora all that stuff and how that affects our income we can proudly say that as a as full circle music that every year since we've been in business has been our best year. Wow. So and I don't think that's coincidence, you know. I, I just I, I have a very positive outlook on the music industry comparatively with a lot of my other uh peers and people that I work with, I think. So quickly as a side note, uh, for those uh, that don't know, what is Full Circle Music to you and and to the world at large? Well, Full Circle Music is a team. Um, It was kind of an effort for me to intentionally come out and say that, yes, this is a team sport. It's not just me. Mm. And it really always has been from the beginning, but even more so now. Um, Right now, it's a small team, but we're we're growing and and hopefully in the next couple of years going to be expanding into having uh, some some writers under our roster and some producers. And eventually, um, you know, if it makes sense and we find the right artists to be able to even do a 
uh, a joint venture with a, a label and help kind of develop in that way. So, but again, the key word is the right, the right people. So we've been actually, you know, probably going on the slow side just to make sure that who is in our team is the right people. Right now it's me and, um, X O'Connor is our, is my co-producer engineer mixer. He does, you know, a good chunk of everything. And then we've got another guy named Jericho Scroggins. Yes. Jericho Scroggins. That is the name. <laughs> and, uh, he's running the ship. So it's, it's a lean, mean machine. And then we have five or six other, um, guys who kind of do editing stuff for us at any given moment as well. So, well, for a small team, you've got a lot of hardware on the wall. Well, so that's a, I think that's probably a good thing then. The hardware per person ratio it has been good so far. So, <laughs> Well, uh, kind of building on that, you said that every year that you guys have been doing what you're doing, that it's been growing. What do you attribute that to when everybody else, or, or it seems like a lot of people out there are talking about that doom and gloom that you mentioned earlier? I mean, I, I, I think it's the focus on two things. Number one is, I mean, and, and this is cliche, because especially in Nashville, our focus is the song. Yeah. everything comes back to songwriting um and that's the starting point production that's not to say production isn't as important it is but if you you don't have anything if you don't have a good song at the beginning so i think that's been more of my strength um a lot of people would say they're producer writers i, I would say i'm probably more so a writer producer if anything and and that's why having people like x and jericho around are key because their strengths complement you know, where, where I, where I lack. So, um, so I think that's been one thing is focus on the song. And the second thing is just the fact that, um, it's just our, our why behind why we do what we do is we're here to serve. You know, that's our first thing is we're in a, uh, service business. A friend of mine taught me that really early on when I moved to Nashville and that stuck with me. This really is a service business. And when you say service, do you mean servicing the song, servicing the artist, servicing the label? Yes. <laughs> um, yes. It's it's really whoever's in front of us at any given moment, how can I serve you? Whether that, that is the song or whether that's the artist. Um, the fact is, is that we are just here to enable and help facilitate artists to pursue their dreams and, and their careers. Um, so any any way that we can add add value to what somebody's doing that's that's kind of our 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 mantra we're always here to serve first we're not coming into a room with any sense of ego or trying you know what can we get out of a situation but hey here we're here to serve and and give and give and give and give and it seems like it's just been kind of you know for lack of a better term the universe's way of giving back to us sure. or just you know we're we we come in with that mentality and it, it seems to be working okay you know? is there a tangible example of that that you can think of off the top of your head and if you need to leave names out that's fine but maybe something that uh kind of really shows that service yeah um i would say honestly and, and this was this wasn't something that i some brand new concept that we came up with it was really more something that i learned by seeing how some some other peers and mentors in the business were doing it is just the fact of they don't quit until the artist is happy mm. and and that's the same with us we'll go rounds and rounds and rounds and rounds and sometimes i actually just had had a conversation with a friend of mine about this and we always have to remind ourselves that michael jackson's thriller underwent 97 or so versions before the you know, they settled on the final 97, so. something like 97, wow. almost, I know it was almost a hundred. 
Good grief. But um, I think I think that's kind of one very tangible thing. We're not stopping until the artist, the label, the manager, and everybody is really, really pumped and signed off and proud to have their names on it. I was actually talking to Jericho about this a couple of days ago, this, this exact topic. For you as a producer, writer, uh, a person who is kind of a um, go-between, when do you... Um, get to the point where you say, you know, there's that saying that the customer is always right. Yeah. Is there ever a point in time where you say, well, I understand that, but my experience says that maybe we need to go down this path. And then maybe how do you lead into that conversation if that's a case for you? Sure. No, that's, that's a great question. Um, and it could very often be the case where, you know, I, I have, obviously this is a very subjective business. Absolutely. And, it's not a, a business of what's right and what's wrong. It's really a business of, again, um, I'm putting my preferences, opinions, and um, even quote-unquote expertise aside sometimes to serve what an artist's vision is. Because there's a lot of the times that, yeah, it probably isn't the first thing that I would do. That doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It just means that I'm helping draw out the best version of them. Um, you kind of said, like, my expertise on what works and what doesn't work. You know, that, that that's been another thing that served us really well is I think we try to go in with a mentality of, you know, Hey, there's no black and white. There's no rules. There's not a, this works and this doesn't work. Granted, we do work in some pretty narrow radio driven formats and there are sure. things, but here's the thing. I mean, we always chase the artist's dream all the way to the moon and sometimes have to pull it back to the earth. So, <laughs> Um, I could, we could very easily, um, in those situations, just like you said, point to the hardware on the wall and say, here's, you know, check the score. I've heard, I've heard some <laughs> guys say that and I can never imagine personally us doing that. Sure. I think we're, we're literally probably the opposite of that to a fault. So, well, again, I think that that's probably why you're in demand and, uh, a pleasure to work with because sure. there's a lot of people out there that there's a lot of producers or songwriters that people could go to. Yeah. So the fact that they're choosing you is because you bring that unique personality to it sure. that, that draws people to it. For a producer that's getting started out there, um, or a songwriter as well, maybe uh, what are um, what's a tip or two that you could point them to uh, when you talk about service sure. and and trying to find the artist's vision if you're producing a, a project? What's something that somebody a, a an applicable takeaway that somebody could jump into right now and. Well, I would say if you're trying to learn to get good at your craft of production or songwriting or anything in the music business, learn to do that, but even more so, learn to be a collaborator. I think there's a lot of really good songwriters that we know that kind of shoot themselves in the foot, that they're the most talented people in the world, but they'd probably be a lot more successful if they were just spent a little more energy learning how to be collaborators sure. rather than just saying, Here's the idea. Here's the vibe. Take it or leave it. You know, so I I would say focus on that, and that kind of just takes a lot of um, humility, really. Hmm. You know, so just kind of do some soul searching and say, why am I in this in the first place? Am I in this because I'm trying to scratch some ego itch that I I have or an insecurity or whatever? Sure. Um, so I would say that's first and foremost because people look for collaborators. They aren't really looking especially nowadays for um, ultimatums. Yeah. So that's, that's a really good point. 
and it makes me kind of think about when you were saying earlier that you were on the road pretty hardcore for several years um, and it burned you out pretty badly. Um, was there a moment in that process to where you thought, okay, I've, I've, I'm a good writer. I've produced stuff. Uh, this could be a path for me more so than being the artist on the road in the tour bus. Sure. Or the tour van. Or the- <laughs> <laughs> we we, we kind of ended up in the bus on the very tail end of what we were doing. And it's kind of ironic that, yeah, as soon as we got into a bus, I was already burned out on it. And sure. It's like, that's kind of what every band shoots for is to like, you know, get on the road and have a bus and be flying around and doing it that way. But um, I think there was a really clear moment. And, and that was in the beautiful, glorious state of Iowa. <laughs> Every time we went through Iowa on tour, it seemed like something, the universe was just against us. Sure. Like God was saying, do not go to Iowa. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> just drive around from, the corn. Drive around it. So the the last straw in Iowa, uh, store, probably story number three or four, after having been broken down there and stuck there in snowstorms and ice storms and all that other stuff, the last straw was uh, we were on tour out there, and it was, of course, snowing and sleeting and everything in, in the van we we i think we were outside of uh sioux city and we heard a giant bang and uh we we looked around like what in the world and then the van just kind of just grinds to a halt oh no we get out and it looked like somebody shot a cannonball like through the bottom of the <laughs> <laughs> like something literally blew up under it and wow so it was at that point that we had to call U-Haul, sit there in the cold for two and a half hours and, and wait on them to show up and got finally got to the venue. And in order to just even get home from that, that weekend that we were doing, we had to run a U-Haul and rent a rental car and drive all night. And the, the choice was, you know, do we fix the van or do we just dump it and leave it there with the trailer and say, hasta la vista, because we owed money on it. And, we're, and that for me was kind of like... I felt like it was God's way of saying, hey, you know, maybe it's time to, you know, start focusing on something else. Sure. So, um, we never went back for the van or the trailer. Some, really? Somebody's, you know, still still there with it. Wow. <laughs> it was a tax write-off. So <laughs> um, that was the moment that, you know, and, and honestly, uh, sometimes life does that where it, it just makes decisions for you. And sometimes that's what we need. So, and that's what that was very clearly. Um, because I had been doing production and writing the whole time and was having some success at it. And honestly, taking care of our family through that side of things, it, the, the financials of touring were not in our favor, Sure, but on the, on the production and writing side, I had already had some things rolling with newsboys and, um, some other projects as well too. So it was kind of a natural transition, and a lot of people say that you know you kind of just got to make the leap of faith out and just switch. But honestly, for us, it wasn't a leap of faith. For us, it was a no-brainer. Yeah, it was. Hey, I get to stay home with my wife, and we didn't have kids at the time, but we we got to stay home, hang out, didn't have to go get in a van and drive all night or a bus. Sure, and actually, you know, pay our bills with it. So right. for us, it was a bit of a no-brainer, and that was definitely the situation that you know, sparked it for us. Well, I think that's a good transition that I'd love to hear uh, from somebody that's been on many different sides of the music industry, being an artist uh, and now producer, songwriter extraordinaire, is that process... Extraordinaire, uh, I don't know about that. But. Well, okay, then I'll, I'll just say that out loud. <laughs> you, you don't have to agree with it, but I'll say it uh, for you. Um, 
that I think that it makes sense to talk about you may have a sole passion in the music industry or whatever industry that you're in, uh, but the fact that you had many different things going on, you didn't have all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. Could you speak to that for those out there that are just saying that, you know what, I just want to be behind the boards. I just want to uh, be on a be in a bus and break down in the middle of Iowa. Like, that's my dream. That's my passion. Um, is, there, is there validity in having your eggs spread out? Or is there also validity in having all your eggs in one basket? To, when you're I, chasing that dream. I would say that I would go back to the proverb of chase two rabbits and you will catch neither. Mm. I think the moment that we made that decision to get off the road and focus on one thing was like a cannonball. It was like a, a spark for our career on the production and writing side. Cause mm. it was like, okay, well there's no longer conflict of interest. There's no longer making the decision of what do I focus my energy on? I only focus on one thing. Sure. And it's the, the full circle music side. So I'm a very big believer um, in in being focused on one thing. I, I, I think in the financial uh, industry, we hear a lot about diversify, diversify, diversify. Sure. And that is true once you've achieved some success to protect what you have. Right. When you're in the, in the beginning stages and growing and growing and growing, it's really put your all all of your eggs in one basket and watch that basket really carefully. That's then, that's okay. that's what I'm kind of leaning towards. Yeah, that makes sense. So watch that basket carefully, and then when you get to the point where that's on autopilot or that it's it's running itself, whatever it is, then maybe you can move on to something else. But yeah, and even then, I don't know that there is ever truly an autopilot. I think you're. You know, I mean, there, there's some degree of, yeah, we can maybe take take some time off and stuff will still happen and whatnot. But I think no matter what the case is, if you're focusing on one thing, that means it's one thing that you're not focusing on. You're That's taking true. away from the other side of things. So yeah. honestly, there's always going to be a little bit of trade-off there. So right. um, I, I think, honestly... Well, there's a really good book, actually, I would recommend it to all the listeners out there. It's uh, Gary Keller's The One Thing. And uh, we recently went through it, and it was really good for me on focus. Absolutely. Um, and that applies to people in music or investing or, or anything in life, to be honest. Um, I'm, I'm very big on focus. That's great. Do you miss it? Do you miss the road? Do you miss being an artist? Not for one second. <laughs> It's <laughs> good to know. Every time I see a bus drive by or a van or a trailer, I'm just like, oh, thank God I'm not on it. <laughs> I kind of start sweating for the people inside it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you've got so, some sort of a response, some um, PTSD or something from being on the road. Well, long. it's, you know, it's it, I'm making it sound really bad, but honestly, I mean, there's a lot of great things. And probably the biggest thing for me was I met my wife through it. So wow. had, had I not done it, you know, I, I, um, I, I wouldn't have known her and we wouldn't be where we are today. So um, the universe definitely has its way of circling things back around. And sure. it was just part of, you know, how God used. And I think he used it honestly to, 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 to our favor on even what we're doing right now. Cause we're able to relate with artists in a different way than somebody who's never been on the road. Sure. Is. We have firsthand experience of saying, okay, I know, I know what you're going through. I know how, how hard you're working every night. I know what it is to play these songs every night and go do the radio tours because we've we've done that and we've been there. So sure. it helps us relate in a in a different way. Other than just that experience of just being in the trenches for years and doing it and then uh, transitioning to what what you're doing now with producing and songwriting, 
or songwriting and producing. Um, what, what kind of education did you have behind you when you started? Um, a high school diploma. Okay. <laughs> and about, uh, let's see, it, it, where I grew up in Ohio, we had a thing called post-secondary education where you could take college classes in high school. And I did probably 12 credit hours of that. So that was the extent of my education. Oh, wow. Okay. And YouTube really wasn't even a, a thing now. And, th- and, and that is a big part of uh, education nowadays. You can learn to do anything you want on the internet. So sure. that really wasn't as much of a, a thing that was available. People weren't creating these tutorials and videos of how to do stuff. It was really just diving in and watching other people work. And So really out. from the music business standpoint, your life experiences was your classroom. Exactly. Yes. But that's not to discount. Um, I would say that's my classroom, but, but the other part of that is just watching other professionals and and what can I learn from them? And that's part of our servant mentality is walking into a room saying, Hey, what can I learn? Not what can I teach? It's, it's, you know, a lot of people graduating from college nowadays, uh, that we find, cause we have an internship program and we have some great interns but we've also sensed a little bit of a mentality, uh, and I don't know, it's just been in the past few years of maybe this entitlement thing, uh. where people think they're going to graduate and get hired as a producer or a songwriter or get a giant publishing deal or whatever it is. That's really not the way it works. You have to kind of come into a room and show that, hey, I'm here to serve and I'm here to add value, and only then does do things start kind of opening up for you. Yeah, that makes sense. So... I guess I guess a diploma on the wall is great, but if it doesn't have the experience behind it, then it doesn't speak too much. Yeah, and the and the heart behind it to serve, you know. I mean, that's I think nowadays is so important. You just have to be going into a room. How can I add value? How can I add value? Not yeah. and not what can I get out of this situation? Sure. Well, what would you say to somebody who's sitting in uh, music school right now or uh, doing a production uh, licensing or w- whatever that would look like? Uh, that's uh, that's in the thick of it, that's listening because they want to uh, graduate in a few months and come to Nashville and, and uh, sure. be on the Seth Mosley plan. Yeah, no, I, I mean, we we have, me and Jericho have these discussions all the time with, with our interns of, um, of you know, kind of saying, okay, it's it's really all about why am I doing what, what I'm doing. Sure. Because we never want to put off the vibe that hey don't go to college you're not going to get anywhere with it that's not what we're saying at all it's more so hey if you're going to college how do you use that to further and get closer to where you want to be absolutely and really it's 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 all what you make of it it's all how what do you put into it who are you meeting who are you serving what kind of experiences are you getting out of it what are you learning and um so i would say if you really feel strongly that you know you're you're using that as something to get closer to where you're uh, going, keep, keep on and finish, finish strong, you know? That's great. Yeah. But I would also say on a more, you know, down to earth, realistic, cause we're definitely realists over here. Um, on a realistic note that don't think that just because you do graduate and get that diploma, that it's going to mean that you're going to get hired right away. Sure. Maybe that's one in a hundred or one in a thousand, you know, situations, but you're going to get hired because of who you are and what dynamic you add to a room. If you have a diploma, maybe that's icing on the cake, but that's definitely not what we look for Absolutely. in a company you know, or in, 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 a, uh, in, a, in a student or somebody to hire. You yeah. Know, so. 
So just to nail it down, what are you looking for when you're reaching out to find either an intern or the next employee? Or uh, So for someone out there that's like, oh, okay, I, I get what Seth is saying, but uh, maybe what are a few things that I need to be working on to make sure that by the time I'm ready to strike, I'm ready to go? Well, I think not to keep saying the same thing and being a broken record, but we look for servant hearts. Yeah. You know, that's the that's the first and foremost thing. Second thing is, yeah, I mean, there's got to be some raw talent there. I mean, and and again, that's all subjective too. But sure. It, we have to at least really dig and connect on a creative level. Otherwise, it's not going to work that way. Um, and the third thing would just be work ethic and enthusiasm hmm. for it, you know, because it's not a business that really lets you have typical nine to five, you know, most weekends off. I mean, we, we try really hard at full circle to have a pretty normal semblance of, 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 a a normal life, you sure, know, for, sure. for me and for the guys that work with us. Cause I think that's important for balance, but, um, that's definitely on the beginning, maybe not the, not the norm. Yeah. It's a little more the exception. So I would say just, you know, you gotta, you gotta know it's what you want to do and have the work ethic, have the enthusiasm to stay up all night and, you know, grind it out until you, until you get good. Cause it really is about that 10,000 hours and, yeah. and, and putting that in. So, and, and if, if, if even that, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of still feeling like as we cross our 10,000 hour threshold, like, man, I'm still learning every day. And I feel like if you're not, you're just getting further and further behind. Sure. Seth, this was great, man. I, you know, in one of the opening episodes of this podcast, uh, we both sat down and talked that we wanted to really hear from other industry professionals and their their heart and their desire and their expertise. Uh, so that could be uh, something that others can grow from. But I, I'm grateful that you were willing to sit down with us today and kind of give your heart. And I know that you're going to be giving that a lot because you're going to be sitting at the microphone every time. Uh, but to hear from you and to see kind of where you've come from and where you're going. And, and I think the biggest takeaway is the fact that you said, when you walk into a room, you think, what can I, how can I serve or what can I uh, give, not what can I get, so to speak? Yeah. And I think that's huge. Yeah. And so I, I appreciate that. But is there anything else you'd like to leave the audience with as we, as we step away here? I mean, I would say, you know, the other, the other big thing is, yeah, serve, but it's also, um, to kind of piggyback on what we were saying earlier, if I could kind of put any title behind it, it's no plan B. Hmm. I think the people who have a fallback plan are going to do that fallback plan. Absolutely. Um, and at some point, you know, you got, you got a wife and kids and you got to do what's responsible for them. But especially when you're on the front end and you're, if you're single or young or married or whatever, you know, just, you just kind of grind it out and figure out how to, um, how to make it work, you know? Cause, sure. um, I, I think another another friend of mine who's in the industry who's been in it for a long time that was his advice in his panel to a bunch of Belmont probably 200 Belmont songwriting students he had them raise their hand and say hey who has a plan B probably 75% of the room put their hands up and he said okay get out now <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't saying that to be mean he was just saying hey that's the reality if wow. you have a plan B, you're going to do the plan B. Yeah, sure. Honestly, I didn't know growing up or in you know in, in high school what else besides music I would do. It, it was just the only thing that I felt like I knew how to do and right. the only thing that, that drove me and gave me happiness and satisfaction. Um, 
obviously as as life progresses you kind of you kind of develop those those things but honestly it ha- not having a plan b is the best thing in the world for you cuz you're going to figure out how to make it work because you have to that's great Seth, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, we hope you've enjoyed this episode and will join us again soon on the Full Circle Music Show. The why of the music is. Check us out at fullcirclemusic.org slash podcast.